Hear the word of the Lord. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Well, um, here we're going to do an honesty poll. And um, and if uh, during this honesty poll, um, you're, you're thinking Paul's going to be taking numbers and writing down names, uh, don't think that's the truth. Because uh, this week, this sermon has really been uh, kind of shaking me, um, making me uncomfortable because it's uh, about me, too. Um, here, here's the honesty poll. How many of you have been a part of a church, whether it's been in the past or current, where you have been deeply hurt by somebody within the church? Honestly, Paul. Deeply hurt. Okay? Hands down. Now, here's the real honesty, Paul. How many of you can honestly say that sometime in your life, in the past or current, have been a part of causing pain within the body of Christ. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about um, a subject that, um, that Jesus really kind of cuts to the chase. He, he even brings up the subject of hell in dealing with um, how we uh, work with one another. How, how do we live as the body of Christ? And so he has some pretty heavy-duty, grave words about how we interact. We are uh, walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and in this, Jesus is uh, teaching his disciples, the future church leaders, about how is it that we live and work and breathe. What are the kingdom ethics? What are the kingdom responsibilities? How do we interact with brothers and sisters? How do we interact with the world? So we walk through the, the Beatitudes. And, and he, he talks about how, you know, blessed, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's not just these people who are mopey walking around, they're depressed all the time. Poor in spirit is the, the kind of person who is deeply aware of their own spiritual condition. That they are so in dire need of a Savior. They're poor in spirit. And when we recognize that we are poor in spirit, suddenly kingdom doors open up wide. And the, the pivotal thing is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This this desire to grow, to hunger after Christ and His work, His good news. 
And then after that, we, we spoke about, uh, Joe talked about uh, salt and light, what it means to be kingdom people. And then Jesus comes and says, listen, don't even begin to think that I've come to abolish the law, that I've kind of put it, put it to the side. In fact, I have fulfilled it. I am the perfect righteousness that you so need and desire. And this morning, he says, okay, if I am the perfect fulfillment of the law, let's talk about some examples about how we work. And then he brings up the sixth commandment. He says, you have heard it said from those of old that you shall not what? You shall not murder. You shall not murder. Okay. Immediately, as I started my process, I'm going, okay, hmm, what am I going to do with this? To my knowledge, we don't have any of those felons within here. You know, if we want to go towards the city, sure, you know, that's maybe in there they could really hear a sermon like that because, you know, that's where we hear about the shooting, the killings. But out here in our nice little suburbia, our little uh, vanilla village, you know, everything is really nice and clean and perfect. Every once in a while we hear about a murder. But Jesus is, is going even deeper as to what is murder. What, what is, let, let's redefine what murder is. And as I was doing my research, I came across a Twitter. Those of you who don't know about it, just think of it as a phrase that comes across the Internet magically. Okay? From uh, Dr. Russell Moore. Uh, throw this one up for me. This is what he said. It is easier to sanctify division than to pursue unity and reconciliation. It is easier to sanctify division. Now think about that. Let's take it phrase by phrase. It's easier just to sanctify, to make holy, to make right, to make good division. Things that divide us. Isn't that true? Think about it even in your marriage. Think about it in your, your dating relationships. Think about it in your workplace. It is easier to make holy divisions. There are things that divide, isn't it? For us to say, but do you understand? I'm right. You're wrong. He did this. She did that. They said this. And it's easier to say, well, do you understand what kind of person they are? We've all played that game, haven't we? Don't, don't give me this kind of gloss over look. You're guilty just as much as I am of doing this whole, oh, yes, you know what? Let's start a new church. Let's start a new small group. Let's start a new ministry. Let's start new friendships. Let's start a new this. Than to pursue unity and reconciliation. It is so much easier just to kind of gloss over and write people off, isn't it? Than to really pursue unity and reconciliation. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you are looking for a perfect church, you are in the wrong place. Okay? Those of you who have been around long enough, amen? <laughs> that was a little too strong. But, uh, but it's true. If you are looking for a perfect group of people who are always you know, lovey-dovey and we're always working things out. It is wrong. From day one, we have, there's been backbiting and 
bickering and talking about each other. We, we, we have small groups where, you know, we have sanctified division discussions. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever participated in a small group ministry, your small group has a certain agenda sometimes. And you talk about, well, did you, did you hear? Do you know what's going on? And we talk about people. And maybe it's not in, in your small group. Maybe it's just in your phone conversations, your texting. And this is where I'm starting to feel e- even convicted. Going, okay, this is me. I, I'm just as guilty. He's speaking to me. It's easier just to write, sometimes write people off. In the name of whatever, and to pursue, strongly pursue unity and reconciliation. So this morning, Jesus said, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders is liable to, to judgment. Absolutely. You know? We, we think if, if there would be a murder in our community, we'd know somebody who, who was shot, who was affected. Man, we would be advocates of seeing that person, of seeing justice take place. And rightly so. Human life is a precious gift from God. Do we agree about that? That pr- life is a precious gift from God. But do we believe it in its totality? Do we believe that when God created the world, He didn't just create really nice daisies and this garden kind of atmosphere. He created man and woman. How? In His his image. That we are all image bearers of God. It is critical. And... In our elder development process, we've been talking about the critical importance for us to have a solid theology of creation. To understand that God has created man and woman and child in His image. That we all carry within us the image of our Creator. We're all image bearers. And Jesus says, you've heard it say, you know, when it comes to murder, you're liable for, for some judgment. You're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to go before the courts. There's a good chance that blood may have to be shed again because of this. But then he goes on to redefine, but I say to you, the, the one who fully perfects the law, fulfills the law, says, everyone, Not just some of you. He goes and says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Anyone, the text is, the Greek talks about anyone who is provoked to anger. is liable for judgment. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times for uh, a righteous, just, uh, 
a just kind of anger, right? We even see that with Jesus. He had a kind of a holy indignation towards, towards sin. He had a holy indignation towards uh, people who just didn't get it. They were unbelieving, and they, they twisted his words, and there was just this anger that he would have about that. We see Jesus clearing out the, the temple courts because they were selling goods. They were affecting the worship of his people, and he didn't go in and just say, okay, I'm going to need you to move out of the temple courts. Move along, move along. Now you folks, now exit over here. Jesus came in with whips, and he cleared the temple courts. Whoops. You know, get on, move up, take your goats with you, let's go, clear it out. This is worship space, and what are you doing? You're desecrating it. This is to be a house of prayer. What are you doing? You are affecting worship. Get out of here. There is a holy indignation. Luther said this, because he even wrestled with this whole anger issue and, and about a just anger. He, he called this kind of righteous anger an anger of love. An anger of love, that one that wishes no one any evil, one that is friendly to the person, but hostile to the sin. So there's, there is something about a, a kind of a righteous anger, but where is our anger directed? Is our anger directed at the person and their character and who God created them, the image of God, or is it anger towards the, the sin? And those are tough lines to be walking. You know, how, how, do we, how do we divide a person and their activity and just be, I'm, I'm angry at your activity, but you're the one that did it, you know? And Jesus is saying, listen, if you've been provoked to anger, an unjust anger, where, where you're caught up in selfishness, your wants, your needs, your feelings, your me, me, me kind of world, you're liable to, to, to some kind of judgment because you are viewing the person as less than God had created them to be. That is critical for us to understand that, that Derek that Emily, that Heather, each person here that's sitting here this morning, each person that we interact with is beautifully made by the Creator. And how we love and care for them is critical. It has implications of, of how the Gospel is able to penetrate and saturate their lives. He goes on to say, uh, well, Let's look at look at uh, Luke 23. Throw that up there for me. This is even an example of Jesus. And I know Jesus seems like superhuman. Well, he was God, made man. How do you expect me to follow him? Even on the cross, he said this, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. He had every right to call down all the angels, kick butt, and just, listen, you've gone too far. One too many lashes. But yet, what does he do? Does God forgive them? Look at uh, the next one. Look at First Peter. 
And when he, this is talking about Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So in our situations, when we have difficult people, because I think we all know a few of them, how do we react? How do we interact? How do we, how do we deal with these sticky situations? How did Christ do it? He entrusted Himself fully and completely to Him who will do the final judgment. He goes on and talks about And he keeps on going one level deeper and deeper and deeper. Look at, uh, continue on in 22. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And then, look at this next thing. Whoever, again, that's, that's kind of one of these beautiful blanket kind of statements. Whoever, you, me, insults his brother will be liable to the council. Now, in the Greek, there's an Aramaic word that's uh, racha. And this this word um, in the Aramaic, it's an insult which insults a person's intelligence. Intelligence. Um, it demotes a, another person to the point of a nothing, a nobody. It's basically saying, you empty-headed, you idiot. Have you ever done that? Have you even thought it in your head? Gosh, this person is such an idiot. Why don't they get this? I feel like we should start like an anger management class for all of us. Jesus is saying, listen, even if you insult a person's intelligence, you are going to again be held liable. There should be a court case for you. And it doesn't have to be just me, you know, shooting out and saying, hey, man, man, Anderson, blah, 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 blah. It is internally, even in your head. It's, it's not just, you know, because he got done talking about the Pharisees who could keep the law, externally keep the law. They kept their list. They were OCD with all those kind of things. And Jesus is going, no, you know, it's even deeper than that. It's just not external appearances. It's internal appearances. Humanity looks at the outside, but God looks deeply at the heart of man. Anybody convicted yet? It's me. It's you. And if you don't think it's you, (laughs) I won't even insult you. Because I'll be liable to the, the council. I'm not sure if that's Nathan. But I, there's certain judgment that takes place. And then he, he keeps on going. And whoever, again, blanket statement, whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. That word, you fool, is moros. You moron. You fool. 
which is this, this word goes more towards a person's character. So it's not just their head, their intelligence. You're, you're saying your character is just way off. So us talking about a person's character, their intentions, what they could be, you know, how we perceive what they do and don't do. He's saying, you even, you even talk about a person's character. You are demeaning them lower and lower and lower. When I created that, who are you to judge what I have created? This is a beautiful person. What are you doing? So at the most very literal level, we should avoid Missio Dei Church. Listen to me. And this is where we've got to hold each other accountable. At the most very literal level, we should avoid any contemptuous words, any contemptuous words about people. And we should shun any whiff of condescension. Did you hear me? And we're not doing it just to be legalistic. We're doing it because we're in awe of the creation that our Creator created. And we're also remembering that we have had mercy poured out to us. That while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Who are we to judge? And this is hard stuff. And and I am willing to bet that there are, and I know for a fact, that words have the ability to murder a soul. Language is deadly. Just read, read uh, James about the tongue. You know, with one time we can we can bless God our Father, the other time we just decimate people. Words are are important, and, and I'm I'm willing. I, I know because I I even struggle with this at times that there are some of us who are still trying to prove to our parents, to our friends, to our girlfriends, to our boyfriends, to our this person, to that person, something because of words that have been said. Is it true? Think back to your childhood. This isn't a great big therapy course, but words carry big weight. This person has said this about me, and I remember I can go back to my eight-year-old Paul. I remember certain words that I have heard that I still carry around. It doesn't have to be words. It can be actions of a parent. Attitudes that are errors that are carried around. Words are critical. But here's something that as I was remembering some of these words 
that I carried as a child. Throw up First uh, John for me. Beloved. Beloved, we are God's children now. And that word beloved, I want you to hear this, Mr. Day, is the deepest possible expression. The deepest possible expression of the personality and the, of the closeness of a personal relationship. When this was written, it's like, dearest, dearest child of my most closest personal relationship, you need to know that you are God's children. No matter what the world says, no matter what happens within the church, what words are being thrown around, what gossip is going around, which is probably the number one deadliest killer in a church, sanctified division, we need to, and if we're on the butt end of that, we need to remember that we are beloved. What God says about us. Because we are God's children now. So I hope that that gives you hope. That if words have been, you've been kicked around as a kid, as an employee, as a spouse, as a girlfriend, as a boyfriend, as a whatever. God says, you're my beloved. You're my child. And you're beautiful. So here's the thing. If we keep on going, and I don't, I've been just, you can tell this is one of those things I've just been wrestling with because I'll get way off my notes. Um, Verse 23, here's the application. And two things happen. Verse 23, and we've got to read this carefully because some of us will miss it. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember. So in other words, if you are coming into church, you've got your tithe check. You know you know what a tithe check is, right, Missy O'Day? Yeah, whatever. Uh, you've got your tithe check, and you've all dressed up, and you're walking in, and you're greeting, and you're meeting. And there, you step into the body of Christ. You, you're... You're there for worship. And there, he says, you remember that your brother has something against you. It's not that you have something against someone else. Your brother in Christ has something against you. What does it say that you should do? Did you read it? It says, leave your gift there. (laughs) Leave your tithe. Don't go anywhere. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Here's just my mind as I'm thinking, dear God, would your words deeply penetrate the hearts of men and women today? That's just been my prayer. It's just May these words just deeply penetrate our hearts today in such a way that it clears house for next week. 
that as we see, you know, maybe Heath is going to pull up in his, his truck and all of a sudden he goes, oh, dang. I need to go. And he drives off. I'm going, either you're going for coffee or you're taking care of business. Because we are reconciling. We are pursuing unity and reconciliation. So I'm giving you permission not to skip church, but to do the hard work of unity and reconciliation for you as you remember people. Because I'm going to tell you, I got people on my list. I I even talked about this with the Schistlers and my wife as we were driving downtown the other night. It's like, I got some people I got to talk to. Honestly, I should not be standing here today. I should probably walk out and go knock on some doors. Because I know that there are people who are kicked off at me. And some of you are going, yeah, I know. Maybe you need to come and talk to me. Because you're just as bad. And some of you, if, if you really think about it, you too should probably get up and walk out. And go make peace. Because here's the thing. Jesus is saying, you don't even want your brothers and sisters to have murderous thoughts. To devalue you. Because it's not good for their soul either. So go and be reconciled. Leave your gift. If anything, it's going to increase your worship when you come back. Leave it. Go. Make peace. Confess what is yours to confess. Do the hard work. Come back. Worship the one who has given you peace in the first place. And then he goes one more, one more possible thing. 25. Secondly, come to terms quickly with your Accuser. While you're going with him to court. So this is talking about, first it was talking about your brother. That's kind of this this generic term for a brother or sister in Christ. Now he's talking about an accuser. from Somebody from the outside. Maybe it's a business dealing. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's something like that. He's saying, now listen, you also, you need to go and make peace with that person that, use the right term, the person created in the image of God who's difficult. And maybe you've sinned against him. Maybe you've sinned against her. Maybe they're not believers. More than likely they're not believers because the text says that they're accusers. There's something in their heart that's hard. You go and you need to make peace. And do it quickly. What's the purpose of that? Is it just so that there's, you know, it talks about this lawsuit? Is it so that you don't get sued? No. It's for the sake of peace. Because the body of Christ is representing whom? Jesus Christ. When there's an accusation, what do we do? Come clean. Because Jesus Christ did the exact same thing. Accusations 
poured out. He had every right in, in his full deity to just obliterate. But he didn't. He answered questions. He corrected people. But he did it in an appropriate way. So Jesus' will is pretty clear. And here's, here's the problem. is that his clarity is the problem. It's a problem for me. Because the more that I really live in this, the more that I realize that I am far from His will. And the more that you live in this and just dwell in this section of Scripture, I hope that you're going to be honest and say, I'm missing it. I'm missing it because we do grow angry. We are reluctant to heal broken relationships. True? We're reluctant to break, heal those broken relationships. And in short, Jesus' his words exceed our capacity. But here's the good news. And if you don't ever hear the good news from me, you're missing something. Here's the good news. The same Jesus who issues these commands also blesses the poor in spirit. The same one who says, don't murder, don't have murderous thoughts, don't talk poorly about people, don't do this, don't do that, is the same one who says, yeah, but the more that you think about your poorness of spirit, your inability to make this happen, the more I'm going to bless you. Because that's called sanctification. Jesus gives us empowering grace to live today. To ask for forgiveness. To be forgiven. And our obedience is always imperfect. Isn't it? But we can make progress. our right practice, our right way of living needs to arise out of what He has done for us. Our right way of living, theologically it's called orthopraxy, our right practice should arise out of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that new life within us animates, brings to life our love for God. I'm going to celebrate communion. Paul, when he was talking to the church in Corinth, also spoke clearly about examining our hearts. That if there's any unconfessed sin, that we need to bring before our Savior. That if there are reoccurring issues in our life that we haven't fully given to Him, 
that we need to confess those, submit them to Jesus Christ. Some of you maybe need to uh, get up um, and remember leaving your gift and confess internally and get things right here. Maybe we should have taken an offering later, huh? We still got Haiti. Leaving your gift and reconciling with your brother or your sister, whoever it is. Say, hey, I need to come clean. I really do. I thought you were an idiot. I thought your character is shady. I was angry at you. I need to apologize. Will you forgive me? This meal is for those who have confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, Master, over all areas of your life. If you have confessed that, you believe that, then you're welcome to this meal. During this time, we'll also be receiving our offering for Haiti, our love offering. Our goal is 4,000. We're halfway there. So take some time to examine your heart. Examine your heart and remember that Christ said to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he, he took the cup of blessing. And as he poured it out, he said, this, this is a cup of the new covenant that I have with you. Poured out in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Those who are serving, please come forward. So come for all things are ready.